Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Action. Welcome to oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful, but here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Carebake. I'm your other host, Will Roaming. And... Variable income is what we're going to talk about on this show. Um, I particularly want to talk about variable income if you are like me and an anxious individual, which I feel like can be one of the hardest parts about dealing with variable income if you're kind of on the more neurotic end of the spectrum like I am. And just a lot of personal finance advice there tells you things based on this idea that you know how much is coming in every month. A ton of personal finance books are like, you should be saving 15% of your income each paycheck for retirement. And it's like, but what if one month I make $200 and the next month I make $5,000? Which one do you want me to save 15% of? Both, I guess, right? (laughs) And uh, which like all sounds great, but what if one month you're making less than you need to live on? What does that look like? I just find a lot of personal finance advice out there incredibly frustrating when you're dealing with, um, especially like if you're building a business or you're a freelancer or if you work entirely on commission. There's a ton of ways in which it can be really frustrating to deal with kind of traditional personal finance advice out there um, if you are anxious and on variable income. And I know that we have a ton of listeners in this category. We get a lot of questions about it. So I thought I would just kind of do a comprehensive list of things that I have personally found as someone with variable income, kind of help me navigate, plan for the future. And one of the big ones is cutting myself some slack. Like I am a pretty goal-driven and also very anxious person. And one of the big things that I found about planning for variable income is giving myself the ability to say, like, yes, you are on track, even though this month maybe it doesn't feel that way, and giving myself permission to spend. I think that can make a huge difference. So, Will, you have variable income too, right? Yeah, I work several different jobs (laughs) at at variable rates. I, I do a lot of radio stuff. I do some freelance audio work. I occasionally am a barista, and I teach classes at a music academy, and every month seems different. I don't know if I've ever had a, I don't know if I've ever been a consistent income person. Yeah, I I don't think I, I had a very brief period in time where I worked a salary job, and I was actually not allowed to have other jobs because of conflict of interest. It was in politics. But other than that, and that was a very brief period in time, generally I have three to five jobs at any given time. 
Um, I feel like I'm experiencing variable income even more right now in my life than I previously had because it used to be that I had variable income because I had like some freelance gigs, but I always kind of had like my main gig and maybe it was a W-2 job, but like that would usually cover my expenses. Um, And then kind of the rest was what I played with as far as my fun money. But for about a year and a half now, I've been doing my business and then really just picking up freelance gigs when I need the money. And then I also work part time at a gym. And as I mentioned, which is mainly because I like expensive gym classes and I don't mm-hmm. want to pay for them. No, that's why I have my coffee job still. It's, yeah. It's really just the free coffee perk. Gotta support your vices, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and the beer money. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's nice to have a little bit extra, but like my minimum wage gym job is not. Uh, one day a week is not paying my bills alone. (laughs) But one of the big things for me is that as I'm building a business is I actually have a product-based business. So I have a fair amount of business expenses. So what can feel like a really flush month for me, like last month, I um, shipped a bunch of copies of the book. I The business felt like it made a lot of money, right? Like I made like over $3,000 gross, which is um, a lot of money to me. Might not be for some other people, but that's a lot of money for me. Um, but I actually didn't take a ton of that home because I had to deal with shipping expenses. I shipped out over 350 books last month. That costs some money. I had to buy a lot of supplies. Um, I did a lot of Amazon Prime one-day pickups for shipping supplies. <laughs> so there was just a lot of things that meant that my take-home pay was a lot lower than what it looked like in gross. And one of the things that I have to navigate as a small business owner is both being able to plan for those future product expenses, knowing that shipping is coming up without uh, kind of depriving myself of taking money home. I'm a big fan of the idea of like paying yourself first. And one of the big things is that it's very easy to always pay your vendors and your hosting fees or whatever kind of business expenses you have before you actually take some money home from yourself, which is how I know a lot of people that have uh, small businesses at the end of the year, they're like, oh, I didn't really make anything on paper because everything went to someone else first. But at the same time, you don't want to end up needing to pay for something to run your business and not have the money there. So so there, yeah, that seems like the two extremes. Yeah, there's a lot of considerations to make. So um, I these are some things that I found helpful. Not all of them will work for everyone, but this is kind of my list of things you can do if you are a perpetually anxious human and you have variable income. So the first, I've mentioned this a ton, is figuring out your minimum for your essentials. So what is your nut? This part is really important and, you know, we always talk about the importance of budgeting. But one thing a lot of people forget about when they're budgeting and they have variable income is those things that are annual or not monthly in some way. So you really need to know you're not averaging those out. So for me, a lot of months I'll spend only $1,000, but my nut is actually closer to $1,350 a month because I have some annual expenses that I pay. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have car insurance, you probably pay it every six months. If you have renters or homeowners insurance, you probably pay it every year unless it's part of your escrow. So there's a ton of things that you need to actually zoom out from the picture and divide into 12. And even if you're not doing an exact spreadsheet or using a budgeting app to track your expenses, you should know that number. You right. should be aware of it. You should least. be aware of that number. And you should also build in some buffer. So that 1350 number for me includes the kind of things that like maybe I don't consider essentials, but then I will when they come up. So um, gifts for you know, birthdays for my partner or um, 
you know, Mother's Day. Those are the kind of things that when I would sit down and be like, what do I actually need to live? I might not think about them, but I'm going to get them, right? Like I'm going to get a birthday gift for my partner. So I need to make sure that that's kind of built into the number. And also just the like, oh, my windshield got cracked kind of, you know, those sinking funds for those. For um, everything that breaks because of life. Yeah, Yeah, those life (laughs) expenses. I'm also a huge fan of if you're a freelancer, save for your taxes before you start spending your money. So I know this is really, really hard for a lot of folks. One struggle with variable income if you're a freelancer is that you are technically your own business owner. So you often have a lot of expenses for that you can actually spend money on that will reduce your taxes. So I know a lot of folks that are like, oh, I spend so money on much money on business expenses that I don't really save a lot of for taxes because I know I'm going to be able to deduct my mileage or my laptop or all those things we've talked about before on the show. But one one thing that I think is really important is not getting caught up a creek without a paddle as far as taxes. So one thing that you can really do is to plan for your taxes and then use that extra leftover after you file. So one thing that could be is you just plan for 30% taxes and you'll probably have um, business expenses over something. Yeah, yeah. You'll probably be, you know, 10 or 15% over if you have some business expenses. But it's better to have that extra money and then spend it after you file than it is to not uh, have it not have it and underestimate and then have to pay back the irs which can be it's there you know as far as um frustrating creditors to have the irs is one of the nicest creditors out there uh they will usually work with you as long as you're making a good faith effort one way to kind of plan ahead is to have separate accounts for business and personal this can make a huge difference if you are a freelancer who really doesn't have a lot of expenses because maybe you're like a freelance copywriter or something and so like there's not buy some pencils yeah it's not that expensive (laughs) um this you know this can make a huge difference as far as not commingling and this just means that you can subtract that 30 percent off the top of any income that comes in pay your business expenses leave that in your business account and then transfer the rest to your personal account. I really like that idea. Um, I actually use PayPal to pay myself each month as my paycheck. Um, I don't think this is the cleanest solution, but I'm lazy and I hate even writing myself checks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But you can write yourself a check out of your business account. It's really nice to plan ahead for those taxes. And this can help you kind of see what you're taking from your business it can feel more real than kind of having this money flow in and out one thing that i need to do as an anxious person is i tend to over prepare for arbitrary future expenses so i'll be like oh at some point i might need money to pay for a flight to a conference or something like that and i'll leave too much money in my business account it's always nice to have a little bit of buffer but don't leave too much unnecessary buffer it's it's more important to um accurately predict future expenses than it is to prepare for every panic scenario because if your business isn't making any money between now and six months from now are you really is does it make a ton of sense to be saving that money maybe you should be figuring out how to increase your revamping the model yeah did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals i'm kat mother of three and founder of ritual when i was four months pregnant I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. 
Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. And on this topic, paying yourself goals can be really helpful. So, you know, it's sort of the freelancer's dream to pay yourself a salary out of your own business. But if you have a ton of money with commingling money or knowing when you can and can't spend money, consider cutting yourself a paycheck each month for a set amount. This could actually be a transfer that you have just automatically initiated each month between your business account and your personal account. This would mean that you pay yourself just like you pay your hosting bill and your rent, and it can help you set income goals for the month. So if you know you'll cut yourself a $1,500 check on the 15th, you'll work really hard to get your, your income to the point where you have that in your account. Right, so you can get paid. Yeah. This doesn't work well if you're someone who bounces checks, <laughs> but it works well if you don't want to explicitly track things, but you want to have some kind of predictability and you're motivated by knowing that you don't want to bounce it. Once you've figured out if you can afford to do that. So for me, I can trans I can pay myself usually 500 a month, no problem. So I kind of have that set up as an auto transfer. Once you figure that out, figure out where the extra money goes towards. Don't just wing it. This means that whenever you have extra money coming in, so above that kind of essential expenses amount, instead of just being like, yeah, I just got $200 right. in tips. When it's a more more profitable month than you expect. Yeah, yeah. So like this is this is true if you work in the service industry and you had a really good night, like say you worked on a holiday and you made a ton of money in the service industry mm-hmm. or you're um you had a really good contract. Like you're like, "Oh, I got this super lucrative contract writing copy for Bitcoin or something like that." <laughs> Bitcoin Inc. Okay. <laughs> uh this is where we we often tend to mentally associate these as one-off events, and then we discount that income as real income. Um, once you're fed, clothed, sheltered, and can get to work, figure out where the extra goes towards. This is where figuring out your goals is really helpful, as we've talked about before on this show. So for example, I know my monthly basic expenses, including my sinking funds for kind of random travel, bike repair, insurance, and my annual farm share are about $1,350 a month. Everything above that goes to savings until I hit the point where I've maxed out my IRA for the year, which the current max is $5,500 per year. Mm -hmm. After that point, I can save another $2,000 for travel or other fun. So what this looks like in a month-to-month reality for me is that if I get a contract that pays me $2,000 one month, I'll put $1,350 towards expenses, Four fifty-eight towards my IRA, and one hundred and ninety-two will go into my travel portion of my budget. Right. So just sort of based off of those pre-planned yeah. percentages. So, but if I have a month where I make two hundred dollars, for example, I'm usually taking I'm taking eleven hundred dollars out of my kind of buffer category, mm-hmm. which is the being a month ahead. Um, and one of my big goals that kind of helps me calm my anxiety is, okay, I had a $200 a month. That wasn't great. But I had some money sitting there as my buffer. And then what I did with that money is the next month that I have a good month, I will repay that category. Um, And this makes a huge difference. So if you're anxious and neurotic like me, variable income can make you really nervous because you're always convinced the worst case scenario will always happen. That yep. you'll sell like absolutely nothing next month or that contract won't come through or, or you'll have a bunch of new expenses. Yeah, or... like you'll have to pay to overnight books from China or <laughs> buy a new piece of equipment and you'll just totally wipe out your profit and not be able to pay yourself. Part of that can be your own brain chemistry. Like mine really likes to convince me 
that it's the worst case scenario. But this fear can also be driven by a very real experience of living a check-to-check lifestyle. So figure out how much buffer you personally need to feel comfortable. And I recommend always building up that one-month buffer to start and then the emergency fund. But if you're an anxious person like me, you might need more of a buffer. So for me, I know there's enough in my checking account to support me for four months before touching my emergency fund. Um, and this can really help support me in taking making decisions about taking work. Because one of the problems that I can have is I will decide I'm not going to do this kind of work. Like I don't find it fulfilling or that rate is too low. And then if I have a $200 month, I'll be like, oh, I'll take any work. I will take any money that anybody will pay me for anything. And I'll end up doing work that I had previously decided like, no, I'm not going to take more minimum wage hours because I can better use my time or... Um, I won't take that copywriting gig for Bitcoin because I don't want to engage with cryptocurrency copywriting. Like there, it can help you make decisions about taking work if you know you have a little more flexibility built into that budget. So buffer can really, really help. Um, so for you, that kind of extra money might be that you are going to pay off debt or save for the emergency fund or the buffer. Or that everything goes to your retirement account in the beginning of the year, but in the second half of the year, everything goes towards fun, right? right. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. maybe so if you, you hit that level, then you, you hit, might, yeah. Exactly. Um, and that can really help if you have incredibly boom months. Like I have some months where I make $5,000, and in those months, I'm shoveling money towards both that buffer category for the lean months, but I'm also shoving money towards my retirement. And it just means that I don't have to panic as much if I don't have $458, which is 5,500 divided by 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I don't have that $458 uh, available in a lean month, that means I can go, oh, yeah, but I took care of that two months ago. Like I, you know, right, I'm, you're ahead of the curve. I'm ahead of the curve. Um, and that can really, really help. So another thing is if you are feeling very anxious and that up and down is just like not good for your nerves. If you're anxious like me, it can really help to look back and see I have never actually gone longer than 20 days without money coming in. Or even when it got bad, I always found something I felt comfortable to do for money. Right. Or if you've had a really, really dark time in your financial past where you weren't happy with what you were doing to make money or you were you know, living on the streets or experiencing extreme insecurity financially, consider what you've learned from that. So like, hey, I am in a different place than I was then. And this is what I have learned to avoid that. And these are the steps I've taken to avoid repeating that time in history. So actually looking back at your history and rather than focusing on external events, look at your own locus of control and your own strengths and lessons you've developed. And that can help kind of build you up towards like, no, but I'm not going to make that mistake again. Like I, I have a buffer now. I have a bigger network and I can usually ask for work when I need it. And that can really, really help. One thing that Will and I have talked about before is kind of assigning certain sources of income to certain categories. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm in the process of reselling a portion of my wardrobe right now. More on that in a future episode. And I used that money to fund a new dresser. I did not realize how expensive (laughs) dressers are. Sounds like my Powell's book churn. Yeah, where you just sort of, you can essentially say, like, if I get extra income for this, it can go towards that. And maybe it's in the same category, or maybe it's in a different category. So um, I can use money I get from selling my clothes to buy more clothes. I had a side gig that only went to fund money for a long time. So 
I did a weekend bike delivery job that paid me in cash. And that money was my fun money budget because Mm -hmm. cash is excellent to have at bars and coffee shops. And so essentially when that when I ran through that cash income, it was gone. Just make sure you've set aside enough for taxes. Because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> everybody that listens to the show is paying taxes on cash income. Yes. One must. <laughs> yes, definitely. For me, my um, si- I make you know a couple hundred bucks off of my side gig at a gym each month. And that money goes automatically towards savings for me. Um, and that is just, it just gets pre-assigned to my savings category. And it's helpful because I know that that means that that kind of category is always going to be covered by that income. So the last and I think most important thing is giving yourself a break. (laughs) Remember, you are acquiring money to support your life, not the other way around. (laughs) Money (laughs) is never the end goal. The end goal is the things that money and monetary security buys you. Time with people, the ability to make choices to enjoy life, Secure housing and food and the perks of not being in debt or struggling with money. So remember that. And I actually had an example of this from the past week. Yeah, what's your example? So I think at the beginning of the year, I talked about one of my big goals this year um, as someone in my, you know, coming into my second year of business was that I wanted to save $10,000 by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And that was a stretch. Like there's an income stretch in that because if I wouldn't have been able to save that and pay my expenses based on what I made last year, but if I made just a little bit more, I'd be able to get to that $10,000. And I've been saving. I'm at like 40% of my goal at like halfway through the year. Like I'm doing okay. But this week, there was a sale on um, (laughs) flights to Japan, and it was $650 round trip to fly to Japan from Portland, which is a... That's a a good deal. It's a killer deal. I hemmed and I hawed, and I was like, oh, this is, you know, $650 plus having to save to be able to take this trip. Like, this is going to cut into my savings goal. And then I sat down and had this conversation with myself, and I was like, what? Why do you save? Well... I save to support my goals with money. Okay, what are your goals with money? Well, travel is one of my big goals with money. Like travel is very important to me. I save for security and I save for travel. I have saved enough where I I have some degree of security. And that $10,000, part of that was going towards retirement, but part was just going towards cash savings and cash goals. And so what I did was... I ended up making the decision to take some money out of that cash buffer and away from that $10,000 savings goal and use it on that flight to Japan, which won't be happening for another 10 months, to be clear. So I have 10 months to save up that money. And essentially, all I said was, okay, what are your goals? You're doing okay. And what is the end point of saving this money? Is it just numbers on a sheet of paper? It is, but what do those represent to me? And um, Going to Japan. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, you know, one of my not often spoken about goals is that I actually do want to go to every country in the world. And I've been working my way th- through uh, a list and I track it on my website if you really want to look at the list of all the places I've been. Um, and I was supposed to go to Japan uh, four years ago, five years ago, and I was on my way to the airport when the earthquake hit. Oh, wow. And so our flight got canceled, as you may imagine, um, because it looked like Japan was under nuclear disaster. So I didn't end up making it Japan, and that has kind of been, you know, a annoying... Yeah, a missed opportunity. Yeah, a missed opportunity. A chip, a chip on my travel heel yeah. 
So I ended up deciding to do it. And um, so anyway, I'm going to Japan next year. And that part of it was making this choice that what is money for me? Money allows me to buy the experiences in life and the security in life to be able to do things like that. And I am going to have to earn $700 more before the end of the year in order to pay back that flight to my cash savings. Right. But that's You've not got that just hard. about six months. That seems yeah, doable. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I can probably make that happen. Do you have variable income? Tell us about how you make it work and how it doesn't work sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to hear your stories about variable income. And also, do you have any stories of times where you step back from your financial goals and put a pause on them for some reason to support a family member for, you know, maternity or paternity leave? Were there there times when you realized that you were chasing numbers against the actual pursuit of your core values with money. I'd be really interested to hear that because for me, it really took some mental process to go through. Well, I think that wraps our show for today. Our producer is Will Romy and our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. I'm Lillian Kerbeck, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.